You might remember, well, actually, I'm, I'm gonna test you to see if you do remember. I, <clears throat> last October, October 6th, it was to be exact, I preached my very first Sunday on staff here at Community Christian Church. And do you remember, okay, I, I went through the nicknames that I had been given throughout my life and I held up a T-shirt and it was my high school nickname. Anybody remember what that was? No, 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 that was college. There's one even worse before that, before high school. What? Steak and fries? I had the t-shirt, I had the proof, right? Steak and fries, right? And so I preached my very first Sunday, for better, for worse, and then here we are. My last Sunday as the student minister here at KCC, for better, for worse, because Josh didn't uh, proofread this, this message. And it's just a blessing to uh, be up here one more time and to bookend this, honestly, much shorter than I expected stint of ministry here at Kinmoney Christian. And I appreciate... Um, and I appreciate the amount of trust that Josh has given me to be able to be up here to preach God's word and to share uh, the message that God has put on my heart. And this, this message has come as I have reflected so much as we all have on 2020. Man, for me, it has had more mountain highs and valley lows than the Himalayas. And as I've looked over it in this past year, and in fact, one Sunday, Aiden and I were sitting back there and we were just talking. I asked Aiden, I said, hey, what has been your favorite part um, from last October, a year ago to now? We were talking about when we did CIY here in the sanctuary, whenever we had the wiffle ball tournament. I think it was Josh and I's team that won that wiffle ball tournament. No, okay, it was the Heastons. I mean, we just went over all of these things and then there was emotions of great, just, I don't know, disappointment. Like we had all this buildup and then there was this drop off and then there were good moments and then there were hard moments. And uh, man, God's just really challenged me as I've been reflecting and so what I want to do is end my time here at Kim Money Christian with this challenge, something that I think that we need to do before we end this year and go into 2021. And that is we need to have ourselves a bit of an attitude check. We, me and thee, unless you have held this perspective that God has been good and faithful and true to us in 2020, just as he has been in 2019 and will be in 2021. But we've talked and I've listened and I've talked and maybe you've listened to me at times moan and bewail about 2020 as if God decided to use PTO in March and we're still waiting for him to come back to work. As the Bible says out of the mouth, <clears throat> the heart speaks. And let me brush a broad stroke here, but it just seems like the heart that I'm hearing of the church overall is that we've lost our faith in the good and perfect will of God in the midst of a year that has been nothing like what we planned for it to be. Church, in all seriousness, I think a lot of us, me included here, 
need to repent of the attitude we've carried through this past year and change our perspective as we go into 2021. Because hear me, pessimism, pessimism is not a characteristic that should ever be used to describe a Christian. What reason do we really have as Christians to be pessimists? Is Jesus your Lord and Savior? Have you, have you, have you read the Bible? I mean, at, at least one of the four Gospels? If not, that may be a big reason why your, your, your attitude through this past year has just reeked of negativity. But, but I tell you what, you read this, and if you believe what you read is true, I promise that you'll find no reason to ever despair and doubt your security and the goodness of God when you give your life to Jesus. Paul says this in Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And here's what Solomon says about purpose in Proverbs 19, 21. This is gonna be a big key verse for us this morning. Many are the plans in a person's heart. Many are the plans that we hold in our heart, but it is the purpose of the Lord that prevails. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Thousands of years before Jesus Christ was born, prophets foretold of the coming Messiah. Even in in Genesis chapter three, God himself gives us the very first messianic prophecy. And when the time came, the Jews looked at Jesus and said, this is not the man that we're looking for to be the king of the Jews, the Messiah, the savior of the world. So they did everything they could, all that was in their power to silence through Roman crucifixion, this man, Jesus of Nazareth. But you know what they did instead? They slayed the sacrificial lamb. They spilled the blood that would forgive the world of its sins. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the purpose of the Lord that prevails. Let me tell you another story. In Genesis chapter 37, we read about another bloke named Joseph. And he has 11 brothers. He's not the youngest, but he's certainly not the oldest. And so in that time, that really didn't set you up to be daddy's favorite kid. That was usually your firstborn son. But he was, he was the golden boy. Anybody else? Uh, I won't say else. I mean, maybe I was my parents' favorite. No, I don't think I was. Um, Anybody in here grow up and you had a sibling who was the golden child? Right? (laughs) Okay. What does that put in your heart? Sometimes some jealousy, some bitterness, maybe a feeling of resentment every now and then. And it says that Joseph is 17 years old. (laughs) I'm looking over there at London and I'm laughing because he talks about how Boston's the golden boy. (laughs) But here's Joseph and he's 17 years old. And his dad, now here's a parenting tip 101. Um, You as parents need to be careful of how you give your affection to your children because you can cause them to stumble. Being a parent of three, I'm very aware of this. Being a parent of three, one of which being a foster child, I'm very aware of this. Be careful how you give your affections to your children. Fairness and equality is a big deal because here 
Jacob, also known as Israel, gives this one child his favorite, the coat of many colors or an ornate robe, as it says. And so I'm guessing he's wearing this around and he's flashing like, look, daddy gave me the Cadillac and you guys have to drive the Buick. And I don't know, he's 17 years old, so either, I don't know, not, not everything's clicking up here or he's just really this naive and ignorant. But here it says in chapter 37 that, that he gets this dream, right? You already know that your brothers are mad at you. Leave it alone, but no, Joseph has this dream. And so it, it says that he goes up to them and he tells them that, hey, I've had this dream, listen to this. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. They're like, I hate you. No, literally, I hate you. To where they decided, you know what? We're gonna get rid of this one. And instead of 12, there'll be 11. So they made this plan. Originally, they were going to kill Joseph, but one of the brothers spoke up and he said, listen, I don't think we want this blood on our hands. What good is really gonna come if we kill him? Why don't we sell him as a slave? We'll tear up his robe and just tell daddy that an animal got to him. And so Joseph experiences perhaps the worst pain we can endure. He's betrayed by his own family. Sold into slavery. Here in chapter 39, it says, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, brought him from the Ishma- bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. It says in verse two, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. And he does well. In fact, he is so good as Potiphar's slave that he, that he becomes pretty much the head of this household and he is trusted by Potiphar with everything that he does. But it says that he was this young, handsome, very, you know, a noticeable guy, kind of like I was when I was 17. And, and, and Potiphar's wife kind of gets an eye for him to the point where she's like, you know what, I'm willing to step out on my marriage for this guy. And she makes these advances on him. And he says, he says oh, no, 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 I, I, can't, I can't do this. And she tries again and again and again. Joseph abstains. And in fact, he even says, how then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against, not even Potiphar, he's more worried about sinning against God. How could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And so here Joseph is this upright, moral, godly man, and she says, fine. So she goes out and says, he tried to rape me. And Potiphar throws him in prison for doing something he didn't do. And for two years, two years at least, Joseph is in an Egyptian prison accused of something he didn't do. Now listen, 2020 has been a tough year. Some of us have experienced loss of loved ones, job troubles, maybe job loss, um, income issues, maybe sick children. But I don't, I don't know that we've, we've dealt with the despair of you've been in prison for two years accused of something that you didn't do when you're just trying to be an upright person. You know, Joseph had plans. 
Joseph probably didn't dream that he would be sold into slavery and, and then get to be this, this amazing slave. Like, woo, that was my plan all along. You know, when I was a kid, I just wanted to go be a slave and be a really good one. He probably didn't dream of, of being accused of, of raping a woman and being in prison. And here it says in the text, but while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. And again, he builds himself up. Joseph, like Daniel later, is given by God this ability to interpret dreams. A couple years in his incarceration, the Pharaoh gets a dream. And to make the long story short, Joseph has this opportunity. He goes before him and says, listen, I, I can't interpret this dream, but God can. And what he tells him is, listen, here, here's, what, here's what's coming. Seven years, you're gonna have this amazing abundance. You're gonna have your harvest like you've never seen before. But after that, for seven years, you're gonna have a plague. And this is what he says exactly. He says, the abundance in the land will not be remembered because the famine that follows it will be so severe. In fact, your kingdom may not even survive. And so he goes from being a slave to being Pharaoh's number two guy. Pretty much the second most powerful person in the world at that time. And he's in charge then of the collecting uh, and, and the saving and the rationing of food so that through these seven years of famine, people wouldn't die of starvation. And here we are sometime later and Joseph's family, his brothers come and say, hey, we need food. We're gonna die. And I don't know that Joseph at that time in his own 2020 would have looked at the events and thought, hmm, this is God setting me up for something great. He probably looked at it and said, man, God, I, I've been faithful to you here. Why, why all these setbacks? Why are you punishing me like this? Why would you put me in this position when I've, when I've been nothing but good for you? But what was setbacks was actually a setup for victory. And at the end of Genesis, Joseph says to his brothers, hey, I'm, I'm not mad. Because had you not sold me in slavery, had I not been accused of trying to get with Potiphar's wife, had I not been in prison where I had the opportunity to interpret the dream, I wouldn't have gotten to this place right now where I'm saving my own family from starvation. That all of this that looks like setbacks is really just a setup for victory. Because many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the purpose of the Lord that prevails. So I'm looking at what's going on in, in 2020 and, and in my life, gosh, in, in ministry. I'm going, you know, maybe these things that looked like setbacks are really God setting me up for something greater. That in fact, may, maybe in the moment right now, it, it's not, I'm looking at God, maybe there's something better out, me, out there for me, but what's right now is what's best because God has a good and perfect plan for my life, for your life. That though, though, though there, are, there, there are woes and there's cries and there's pains and there's these trials and turmoils, listen, I'm telling you, church, what Paul says in Romans 8, 28 doesn't change, that when we give God our heart, when we give him our lives, when we love him, he is still working in all of that for our good. 
that if even in the midst of all that the Jews tried to do to prevent Jesus from fulfilling the prophecies, they couldn't. Don't you think that God is more powerful than the circumstances you find yourself in? I'm, I'm talking to myself here. I think we need to change our perspective. And maybe we're looking at, at, at 2021 like, well, man, whew, at least we're gonna get out of 2020 and it's gonna be better. But hey, listen, there's no guarantee of that. 2021, as I just heard a terrible joke, it's when she got old enough to drink at 21. Okay, it's a terrible joke. Thanks, Tiffany. Listen, there's no promise it's gonna be better. But what if in fact we trust that what we're living for, living in today is what's best? So here's an idea. Make God's purpose your plan. Really, I, I feel like that's, that's foolproof here. Make God's purpose your plan. Well, how do you know what God's purpose is? I tell you what, if you start every day and you wake up in the morning and you just say, okay, God, today, let your will be done in my life. Show me what you'd have me do and give me the faith to follow it. God will show you his purpose. And, and, and the plans that you have in your life, I think they, they start to just kind of dwindle away when you realize that God has something bigger, something glorious in your life. I wanna turn here into, into Philippians. Philippians chapter two, verse 13. I, I'm sorry, I don't have this up on the screen because I told, told Ken, I don't exactly know when I'm gonna hit this scripture, but this seems the right time here. Philippians chapter two, verse 13, it says this, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to, to fulfill his good purpose. Let me read that again. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. You know what he says back in Philippians chapter one? He says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. That God is working in your life. He is working all things for your good. He has a plan. He's got a purpose. And if you give him your life, you know what? You win. You win. And what you think is pitfalls and what you think is setbacks is really God just working out everything for your good and for his glorification. And so then here's what Paul says in Philippians 4.13. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I preached on this text a couple months ago and it's, that Paul's not saying I can do, you know, I, I can go be an astronaut because God will give me the strength or I can be the star quarterback because God will give me the strength to do so. No, what he's saying here is, he says, indeed, I'm not saying because I'm in need for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this. Why? Because Jesus gives me strength. Because I'm living for the purpose of the Lord. Because Paul put aside his own wants and dreams and decided to make God's purpose his plan. And so whatever his year looked like, whether it looked like a 2020 or 2019 or 2021, it didn't matter for him because God put in his heart this faith to say, you know what, it is well with my soul. Because whether I'm in prison, 
whether I'm beaten, whether I've been, been stoned and left for dead or whether I'm well-fed and, and, and living in plenty, it, it doesn't matter because I've won. Because Jesus promised he would work in all things for my good and for his glory. Church, I might be stepping on some toes and, and, and maybe even a bit of my own, but a big part of changing our perspective is, is how we talk. And I know we talk about 2020 like we can't wait to get out of this year, but listen, I, I look back on 2020 and I'm thinking, I've seen God's faithfulness. My son was born February 3rd. I've had some wonderful opportunities in ministry with my students through this year. I got to be a part of 10 high schoolers being baptized. I, we, we got our, well, we didn't get our foster child, but we realized that we were going to adopt her this year. Chelsea and I got our call to, to go out east to the next place that we're going to do ministry. Like, I, I don't know. I don't think I want to give up 2020. There's been some bad parts, but I tell you what, it, it, it's to me, God's big orchestrated setup for some great things that are still yet to come. And so here's the perspective let's take into 2021. Let's live in what's best instead of looking for what's better. Here's what I mean. There were those times, I'm sure, when Joseph was in his different places in his life and he was looking at this and saying, God, there's gotta be something better than this. But hindsight is 2020. And, and looking back, he would have realized, no, that is exactly where I needed to be because of what God had in store for me, what he was setting me up for. You know, I, I, I drive a Kia Sportage that has 150,000 miles on it. Are there cars out there that would be better? Well, no, not really, because I don't need it. Because I, I don't need the new car payment. I got that sucker paid off. I'm gonna drive it to the wheels, pop off. I got that car paid off. We don't, are there cars out there that would be better? No, because that's what's best in my life right now. You may, you may, you may drive, you may see that 3,000 3, square foot home. Is that really what's better? Man, not if you want a $1,500 a month mortgage payment. That in fact, maybe where God has you, the house that you're in right there is really what's best for you. You may look out there and you see, may see other jobs that look more lucrative and have better benefits and holidays and all that stuff. And could that be better? Well, maybe if God has a purpose for you and your job, that's best where you stay. And you know what? I, I don't think that we need to look at 2021 like, is it gonna be better? when we're living in the faithfulness and the goodness of God, trusting that today we already live in what's best. Listen to me. When you're following Jesus today, you're already living in what's best for you. You don't need to look for better. And while opportunities will come, listen, my wife and I going out east is not going to what's better. We're just going to what's next. I didn't look at that opportunity thinking, well, that's what's better for me to leave Kid Money Christian Church. No, this has been an amazing opportunity. I've grown so much in my ministry. I've so appreciated the opportunities I've had to pour into my students, to teach God's word. This season in my life has been the best. And so will the next. And the next. Until God calls me home. 
I'm making this decision, and I hope you will too, that we're not gonna look for what's better, but we're gonna trust. We're gonna, be, we're gonna have this strength that, that Paul talks about here in Philippians 4, to be content in all circumstances, knowing we're right where God has called us to be. We're living in what's best today. Last week, Josh hit in this text in Galatians 4. This amazing promise, this amazing timing. The Paul says here, he says, so also when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, under the law. Right? So, so there is this time when we lived under the law and we needed a savior. And, and as Josh said, at the end of Malachi, between Malachi and Matthew, here's, here's 400 years of silence. God didn't forget his people. He didn't go on vacation. He didn't decide to just, just, just take some time out. He knew exactly the right time because God's timing is perfect. He says, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Daddy, Father. Just, just a note here. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, our Father, that was life-changing. The Jews never called God Father. They didn't have that understanding of, of a close relationship. They, weren't, they, did, they didn't feel this intimacy with God. Jesus bridged that gap. Through him, we're adopted into sonship. We can call God the Father, Father, Abba. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. You're no longer a slave to fear. You're no longer a slave to sin. You're no longer a slave to the law. You're not a slave to 2020. You're not a slave to COVID. You can trust because you're adopted child of God. You're a co-heir with Christ. You're living your very best right now, right where God wants you to be. And he's gonna tell you exactly where he wants you to go. And all this, this burden and this weight you've had on your shoulders about trying to figure life out and what do I need to do next and how can I make my circumstances better? Listen, I'm telling you, church, if you just start each morning with God, thy will be done in my life, it's gonna be okay. You have the victory. You've got nothing to lose then, but everything to gain. Because you are sons and daughters. of the God who sent his, Jesus at the, his son Jesus at the perfect time to be our savior. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir to receive the glorious riches and the inheritance with Christ Jesus in heaven. So listen, let, let, let's go into 2021 with this perspective of, you know what? I'm good. Whatever may come my way, whatever 2021 is gonna bring, it's really no different than what has come in 2020. I'm living in the goodness of God. 
I'm trusting in his good and perfect will. And what he has for me today and what he brings for me tomorrow is never a setback, but God is faithful to always set us up for victory in him. Church, let me pray. God, thank you so much for your goodness, for your promise of love, for your faithfulness in our lives. God, I just pray over Kim and Christian. Pray your mighty blessing over this body of believers. But Lord, you will help us, help them, Lord, to see your goodness at work in our lives every day, your faithfulness and the victory that you have for us. God, let us not be slaves to fear, but be free in you, Jesus, free in your love. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.